0: Shut up and
1: sit
2: down. Oh, one of these days, Josh will figure out this whole microphone thing and recording and
1: playback. And- I am not the pod administrator, ergo. My job is just to sit here and look good. Yeah, I'm just asking you to press one button. It's not that You only things. have one job.
2: One job! <laughs> Push the shiny red button. That's a lie. None of us have just one job. We all have a bunch of jobs. Welcome to the New Utah Podcast. This is our second episode of the New Utah Podcast. Oops! Where we talk about all things Utah. We'll introduce the cast with the silent one, Jess or Jessica. I
3: am Jessica. You're a resident community specialist and all
1: around a silly joke maker and ballroom dancer let's throw that out there no no, no, no um, ballroom
3: dancing no ballroom
1: ballroom dan- da- okay, okay never mind you know who does ballroom
2: dance though is jeremy ballroom dance extraordinaire <laughs> <laughs> no
0: no ballroom dance uh i'm jeremy in utah but not of it salt city home designs over to you josh
1: I'm gonna need that official. Off. Yeah, I'm gonna need an official intro from the pod minister. Uh, what's this, what's this uh, We're gonna
2: save Josh for last. I'll actually introduce myself first. Josh spent three minutes last week on himself. I'll try to keep mine short. I am not from Utah, but I've lived here mole half my life now, and I love this state. Uh, and uh, Josh, you can introduce
1: yourself now. I would be delighted. Time's to up. You. What? <laughs> Hi, my name is Josh Butterfield. This is a shorter introduction. Thank you. Much
2: better. It's a lot more to the point this time. It was. It's still organic. It. Apparently, it was not an episodic introduction. It was just a basic introduction.
1: Right. It was or a, something. There was a different style of introduction that I was trying to, you know, um, just style up, class up the joint a little bit, and then I got stifled. So. I, I apologize for that, Josh. I was just trying to keep the podcast under an hour. I forgive you. <laughs> this time.
2: All right, so today on the podcast, we're going to talk about a uh, local Kickstarter that we all kind of like quite a bit, a uh, water purification system. But it does have
1: its flaws. Dun, dun, dun. And I will, with the investigative approach, unearth those flaws. We also have several
2: events coming up this weekend, a couple crazy news stories that really kind of facilitate what Utah is, uh, and an interview.
1: So, without further ado, let's look at that Kickstarter. Man, that sounds like an action-packed agenda. I can't wait to listen. (laughs) Go team. So, um, we're going to talk about the Kickstarter called Move. And that is M-U-V. If you uh, go out to kickstarter.com, you can search for M-U-V. It's a Kickstarter that is doing great and is only destined to do greater or greatest. Uh, I'm going to pull it up real quick. I would actually play the entire um, video for you, but it's four minutes. So let's talk about what's good and bad about this Kickstarter. Let's start up with Move. What is Move? Josh, oh. is Move? I'm glad you asked, sir. Allow me to clarify. So the Move is a water filtration system that allows you to get clean, safe drinking water wherever your adventures lead. And these folks really hit the point home about, like, you could be anywhere, like, kayaking in a a river of shit, and, like, pop this straw right down in there and and go bananas with it. Yeah, third world country. Third world country be
2: what? What I find interesting is they're out in the video drinking straight out of, like, the freaking Ganges River. (laughs) And then they talk about what's even worse is foreign countries. Now, I've had dysentery from, you know, Dominican Republic water, so I get it. But the water and the bacteria when you're out in the Ganges
1: River is probably worse. Probably. So this is a Kickstarter that is going to succeed. Let me be perfectly clear. This Kickstarter will make approximately three Almost four times as much money. Going to succeed,
2: they're asking for $30,000. they have already hit fifty one.
0: So
3: they
1: have
2: succeeded, technically speaking. Yeah, they, they, they still have half the uh, length of time to go. They've got another 15 days to go.
1: So they've already been funded. And according to our sources, dun, 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 dun. according to KickTrack, they are going to end up at about $106,000, um, which is about 353% of gold. In other words, they're going to do quite nicely. Go Utah. Now, a couple things these guys did really, uh, I would say, intelligently is they've got high production value on their video. It's really interesting to see. It's eye candy. Well, I
3: want to know more.
1: Yeah, they they do kind of, I I don't know. I mean, it's a technical Kickstarter, but they don't really touch on the technology as much as someone that is really technical might need or want
2: my least favorite part about the video to be perfectly honest is it's four minutes long when we sat and watched it before the podcast to make sure that we could play it on the podcast we decided it's a bad idea because it's four minutes long and the truth is it is a bunch of eye candy it's it's actually a really good marketing piece if it were half the time it's like a four minute commercial for parties and fun time
1: but after two and a half minutes, you
0: kind of lose an
1: interest. Yeah, the fact is, you've already seen everything they talk about after two minutes. This video should have been half the length. Now, who am I to judge? They're going to make three to almost almost four times as much as they were asking for. So. However, let me point out
0: real quickly, as you read down to the very, very bottom, uh, this is their second
1: go-around. Yes, the Oasis. The world's first super filtration unit was its first go-round, and uh, they didn't succeed. And they did something really smart, and they actually carried over all of their um, their backers from the first run to the second run, and got off a really strong start. Is that normal?
3: I don't. I'm learning about Kickstarter, so if a project fails the first time, they start to revamp. Is that normal? It, it
2: kind of depends on. It depends on the backing of the project. So if a Kickstarter fails the first time, if it was really well received by its audience, and the company is not a you know fly-by-night crap company that actually does want to try and persevere, those backers will tend to follow you. A lot of times they'll have another community outside of Kickstarter.
1: Um, and then they can you know announce to those backers that they're restarting the project. And a lot of times when you develop a Kickstarter and you get this loyal 1%, they will be out there telling their friends, like, "Hey guys, it failed the first time. I need you guys to back this. This is something we're all going to use or need." If if you're smart with your Kickstarter
0: program, you already have people lined up before you even you've already you've already
1: publicized it, you've already talked about it, you've already you've gone got a fan base already, and that's we believe that based on the strength of this, that yes, that is true of this these folks, and any good Kickstarter will do that in advance. And I I will say, if you
2: look at the old stuff from the Oasis, and you look at this new move, it's been a a year since they last tried to kick start it, and the company's been around, it looks like, for about two years developing this product, so they have another year of R&D into this product, uh, and really what they're looking for now uh, are a few different
1: things. One of the things that they're really looking for is getting this thing certified. Red flag! flag, this is a product that is not certified, and what's more scary than the fact that it's not certified is the fact that they mention it's not certified. And so... So, may, I mean, maybe on one hand, maybe they're doing it on purpose, because they want
2: people to know that, but I would almost think maybe you don't even want to say anything about that up front. Well, sure. Well, I, but, I, I think it's important because they have what looks like some pretty amazing prototypes that they've already been doing. It doesn't sound like they need manufacturing money. It sounds like that stuff's taken care of. It sounds like you know they need some mold money, um, which I guess is manufacturing. But the certification is probably going to be the bulk of this Kickstarter. They've been building this product for two to three years. The downside is
1: that certification through the FDA could result in some changes in design. So. Yeah, that's the thing. Or it could get and shut down. It, could, it get could get shut down. There's a million things yeah. that could happen. So. That is the biggest red flag of this Kickstarter. If you back it, the questions you have to ask yourself are: Will I ultimately get my product? And since it's not certified, will I actually get this product, or will I get something that's totally different once it's gone through the certification process? And I know this is silly. The one question I had
0: when I watched it: uh, What about refills? What about like spare cartridges? talk things? about any yeah. yeah. Yeah, most water filter systems are good for whatever, a month, two months, so many gallons, however they rate it.
3: Especially if you're dealing with really grimy
0: water. out of the water pan water. Water.
3: Now one
2: of the cool things about Kickstarter, folks, if you don't know, you can actually go and look at updates. If you back a project, you can read comments, you can ask the promoters of the product those questions. Um, and if you don't like your answers, you can back out your pledge. Um, so that's always a possibility with Kickstarter. Um, but at the end of the day, this is a local company that looks like they're trying to do something really cool and innovative, uh, and they would certainly get my money, uh, and it's not super expensive. We're not talking hundreds of dollars. Eighteen
1: dollars is the base pledge level, and it gets you a move and a good feeling inside. And so, I mean, for 20 bucks, you can back a local and no business, diseases. and, well, very um, few diseases. diseases. It does not filter out
2: cooties, I understand. <laughs> so. Hey. Those, those are, those are legit. Those stick around. Cooties are legit. Cooties so, are legit. I think it's time to move on uh, off of the Kickstarter, which is totally okay. Um, let's talk about some stuff going on in Utah. I think we'll uh, turn a little bit of time over to Jess, um,
1: who is our community specialist.
2: And, uh, you need that
1: sound
2: effect. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, We have a few different events. We have a ton of stuff going on in Utah in the summertime. Yeah, being June, being this time of year. There are so many things happening that we can't tell you all of them. So we're going to let Jess narrow it down to just a few different things that are going on this week and weekend. Uh, And, uh, yeah, hopefully you'll show up to some of them.
3: Uh, Hopefully, like the downtown farmer's market that starts its 25th year this year in Pioneer Park...
1: And our farmer's market is, is amazing. so amazing. good.
3: It's funny because you don't think
2: Utah, we're up north, we have a short summer, it's not great for produce and fresh stuff, but that's absolutely not true. Depending on the time of summer, you go in, you get fresh greens, and then you come back and you get there's all meats, the squashes.
3: There's yeah. bottled goods, local bakers. The art? Baker, my favorite art, yeah. 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 this a, lot a of drum
1: circle. And there's like honey from is there really a drum, there's a drum No, strip.
2: there's not a drum not the arts not the uh, farmers the, farm the one at uh We the Farm. Yeah, this is the one downtown though, right? The downtown yeah.
0: Park, yeah, park. This is yeah.
3: the one at yeah. Pioneer Park. But Um, the
2: point being, though, Utah has a number of farmer's markets, and they're all amazing. And I will say this about the downtown farmer's market. If you ever want to see someone shoot up in a public bathroom, the (laughs) bathrooms at Pioneer Park, not the porta-potties that they put out for the farmer's market to keep people away from the normal bathrooms at Pioneer Park, but those are a great place to go get. You know, Ooh. syphilis or you know some sort of communicable disease from a needle. So if you ever no, need I'll fresh eat. cabbages yeah, and syphilis, syphilis, syphilis. together, Pioneer Park downtown. Cabbages park. and the clap. Truthfully, <laughs> though, if you go into the area where the farmers market is, you probably shouldn't clap. By the way, that's really loud. That was really loud. Look yeah. at that. So anyway, if you go downtown where the farmers market is, actually out in Pioneer Park, um, it's almost like the rest of the park doesn't exist because it is to the one side. But it's amazing. Lots and lots. It of actually really goes all start. the way around the outside.
3: Yeah. Now, the only thing to remember about this farmer's market, if you're a late start on Saturday, basically you're effed. It starts early, it ends early. ends at 1 o'clock. What time does it start, Jess? I think it starts at 8.
2: Get there about 7.45. Parking. So you can fi- yeah, so you can find a place to park. Or take yeah. tracks. Yeah, or take tracks. I mean, it's really easy to get parking down in that area. Uh, but yeah, if you're there at like 11 o'clock and expect to score some really killer beef or vegetables of some sort, you're probably out of luck. Those guys are probably
1: already gone because they've sold all their stuff for the day. It's also important to note that this, the farmer's market downtown is really, really popular. Yes. All walks of life like to go down there from your super beatnik hipster that's exploring new things in life with his <laughs> beret on, and you know, you've got the the ultimate hippies, and then you've got, you know, Everyone gets something out of it, because there is so Literally
3: everyone and their dogs,
1: there. Oh, and there are a lot of dogs. But people, if you're bringing your dog, please be considerate. It is very hot out there. Bring some water for them, because there may not be fresh water. Keep them on a leash. Keep them on a leash. And don't bring your dog if it's a douche. Don't bring a... (laughs) No
2: douche
0: dogs. No douche dogs.
2: (laughs) Nothing bugs me more than having a dog that's super aggressive towards other animals and people. Especially in the crowd Go to a freaking Pet store And someone's got a dog And they're like Oh you really should Walk around me Because my dog Will lash out
1: And attack your dog Then why the hell Did you bring him with you um, is it sorry, the dog that's is it the dog that's a douche or the owner that's a douche? Well, it might be a combination. It's a combo. It's a combo. Totally a it's a douche combo game. And I'm
2: sorry for that rant, but I just no, it's it, it really one. annoys me when I go out to things like that. But there's some other stuff going on this weekend besides
3: crappy
1: dogs at the farmers market. <laughs> yes,
3: Scottish Festival. This weekend, amazing down at
1: Thanksgiving Point. Scottish Festival's awesome. Wait, wait, t- tell me more about the Scottish festival. <laughs> I have like 22nd Scottish in me. Put on your kilt and get your ass up there. Actually, it's only the only reason I have that much Scottish is because I just had some scotch. It's because I brought you scotch. Do they? You brought me scotch. And it was damn good. Do they have scotch at the Scottish festival? <laughs> Actually, I have no idea to honest with you.
3: My guess would be um, no
1: because it's because one time. is a Thanksgiving,
3: Thanksgiving Point Thanksgiving and more, it's Utah County. See-
0: yeah. But and, you never and know, Utah. And right?
3: Utah. Um, but I'm really excited because I did just get back from Scotland, and I went in an off season, um, so I didn't get to see Highland Games or anything like that. They will have Highland Games. They have. Is that the, anything like
1: the Hunger Games?
3: Much cooler. These
1: and no kids dying. It's they do the yeah. throwing the stuff? And they, yeah, the toss dwarfs. Exactly. <laughs>
2: yes.
3: Big well, and then they're gonna have the tattoo, the tattoo not on your body. But the backpipes, um, it's really big over in Scotland, once a year the military tattoo gets together in Edinburgh and does uh, just a massive performance of bagpipes. and that's Friday, um, I believe it starts at 7.30, it's $15 to get in, if you're 11 and under it's free, there's some student discounts and senior discounts as well.
1: That and, is so cool. I just, it's, it's,
2: usually play. They're amazing yeah, they're I will say, they're too, so cool. this time of year, if you've not been out to Thanksgiving Point this time of year, it's absolutely gorgeous. The flower beds and the gardens that they have out there, are they're worth
1: going out to see just on their own. They're really, really pretty. And, you know, there is a stigma that people who are, I don't know, who are not of, you know, <laughs> certain religious persuasions, that they're going to get something out of going. But I'll tell you, if you go... You will enjoy it. You'll have a good experience. No, you probably won't be walking around sauced like um, with a uh, or you like know, the beer fest. Like the like beer, the beer fest. fest, but it's it's a beautiful, very enjoyable experience. I'd recommend to anyone. Don't don't be scared off.
3: Yeah. Uh, Cultural wise, uh, the Asian festival is also this weekend. Uh, Not to be confused with the Japanese festival that just happened. This is all... (laughs) I'm not going to say the Oriental Festival. Yes, please don't. We can't offend our listeners on our second episode. There's one of them out there. two two listeners, now
0: we're down to one.
3: (laughs) Anyways, Tibet, Japan, (laughs) Japan, Indonesia, China, India, Vietnam, all being represented. Um, It starts at 10, ends at 7. It's at the uh, Sandy Expo Center. Um, and it's free. Is so. it inside and outside?
0: Do you know? I actually don't
3: know because I have never been before. what is why I ask
0: is with the heat. A lot
3: My guess would be mo- it would
0: mostly probably be inside.
2: inside. Yeah. Mostly, yeah. The Sandy Expo Center does not have a ton of outdoors yeah. stuff. It's
0: mostly
1: an indoor room. And it's nice and it's air conditioned, so if it is hot this weekend, that's I think really it's really interesting to be that it's got such a diversity of like Vietnamese. And that's that's something that people outside of Utah don't realize is how many Vietnamese. Um, Folks, we have here people. Very large Cambodian
3: community. We've got a big big
2: Korean community as Mm -hmm. well. We we actually are a fairly culturally diverse uh, state, especially in Salt Lake City. I mean, if you if you do go out to the suburbs like Murray and you take a picture of your average Walmart person, (laughs) they're the same as you know anywhere else. (laughs) They're you know white middle aged man or woman in
1: pajamas, you know, but. Our culture is is quite diverse here, truthfully. So so the Scottish Fest and the Asian Fest, two different corners of the world, all in Utah. And
2: on on the same weekend. On the same weekend. So there is one
3: other thing going
2: on this weekend, isn't there, Jess?
3: There is. Drag Brunch, uh, which is held down at Club X uh, downtown Salt Lake on 4th West between 4th and 5th South. Uh, It's a once a month event. You can go to Drag Brunch SLC on Facebook. Uh, you can buy your tickets ahead of time, which is highly suggested because it does get pretty packed. Uh, just a buffet breakfast and then a two-hour drag show of local talent. Is
0: this the one you're
3: involved in? Yes, and I how am. Are you involved? Let's tell the folks. I the am listeners. the award-winning uh, omelet maker. Omelette <laughs> <day> Really? <laughs> really? Um, yes, I brunch. have been written up in Q Magazine. <laughs> wow. Wait a minute. You've been kidding. holding
1: out on us for the omelettes? <laughs> I guess she's quiet all the that time. has
2: nothing to say. It, I, I
3: say, for those of you,
2: not, you know, who just, don't know. We, we, we... just
3: won um, two awards. One for Best Show and one for Best Sunday Brunch.
2: So it's Tuesday evening while we're recording this i got to be honest, I think I want to move this to Saturday
1: morning after Jess cooks me an omelette. <laughs> I, I vote for that. that I can exciting. make
3: omelettes anytime.
1: <laughs> Actually, she makes a really good cake, too, and I think that'll be the topic of a later conversation. So that's some fantastic stuff going on. I'll there's a weekend, lot more. Believe it or not, that is all just this weekend.
2: Yeah, and th- there's a lot more happening. That's just the stuff that, that we wanted to mention that we thought was, was fun and exciting.
1: Um... And people, I think people outside of Utah are just absolutely surprised how many of these cool and diverse things happen. Um, and I do want to know, so we'll have to we'll have to get a, um, a website going and some forums so that we can post in there whether or not, like the follow up questions, um, is there going to be Scotch at the Scottish Festival? Because I would go. If there, there were scotch, and Well, you scotch. can bring your own scotch, I'm sure you probably I'm have better sure scotch a than what they would serve there. I have, I have one of the coolest flasks ever. Yeah, in It's a, a KGB man, flask.
2: A proper man does not
1: drink scotch
2: out of a flask. What? You drink whiskey from a flask, but not scotch. What? How do you sneak scotch in? You can sneak it in in a flask, but you better put it mm-hmm. in a scotch flask when you get in there. Oh, for. I'm pretty sure you have to use one of those umbrellas where the end comes the glass. See, I'd be okay with that, or even like a thermos. Okay,
1: I'm I'm now officially in on this planet. (laughs) There
2: there have been a lot of other things going on in Utah this week. Uh, One of those things uh, we'll talk about now is actually uh, the Zion Curtain. So the Zion Curtain is this, uh, those of you not familiar with Utah, we have some rather interesting laws, to say the least. Uh, One of the laws that was passed several years ago Um, for fear that children were being uh, exposed to alcohol and tempted to drink, and completely confused as to what was a restaurant and what was a bar. Because they are hard to tell. You know, it's really hard to tell who's a restaurant and who's a bar. And I am worried, you know, if my child sees someone pouring an alcoholic beverage from across the room for another patron in the restaurant,
1: they're automatically going to switch to heroin.
2: That kid totally wants to drink. Yeah, and... Before you know it, he's going to be mainlining heroin and ODing in his parents' living room, and it's all because nine years old. When he was eight, he saw someone make a drink from across the room. Damn you, TGI Fridays! Now I don't know how many it eight-year-olds. Closed, by the way. Well, that's because of the OD instead of nine-year-old. That's why. I don't know how many of you people know this, but uh, eight-year-olds typically don't have the attention span to even know
1: what the hell the guy's doing across the room with those bottles. You know, the number one way to ensure that your child is going to become a drunken fiend is by hiding it under a closet or, or in a closet. Or behind a wall. Or behind a wall and being all secretive about it and then hiding it and lying about it and covering it up. And so that it's suddenly very mysterious to them. And when they want to rebel, they know just what to do. Because every child wants to rebel. If you just talk about it like it's just another element of life, it demystifies it. I think these, these initiatives have the exact opposite impact that they try to have. It's funny well, how that works with all of
2: these. I mean, in my house, for example, I have a fully stocked liquor cabinet. Um, with and a, how. Yeah. It, it becomes a little less stocked when these guys come <laughs> over. But our kids have grown up around alcohol, around the use of alcohol in the home. And guess what our kids don't really do a whole lot of? Drink. I'm not saying they've never drank. I'm not saying they won't drink. But they don't get drunk, they don't go out and drink, they don't steal from our alcohol stash. Um, And it's because they've been shown how to use it responsibly and that it can be used responsibly. However, the legislature in Utah thinks that, well, we have to protect children from seeing alcohol. So now, if you want a liquor license in your restaurant, you have to prepare drinks for the restaurant behind some sort of enclosure. There's some grandfathered-in accounts, so... Businesses such as Chili's that already have these designs created don't have to hide it behind some curtain or some wall. Um, But a lot of them now have a bar area where you can't have kids in there. And that's where they prepare the drinks. The Hive Winery, however, in in, uh, Layton has decided to kind of give a big middle finger to the Utah State Legislature and the DABC. They have created for their Zion curtain an actual curtain. That says Zion Curtain on it. Yeah, it's actually uh, a a reproduction of one of the labels of uh, one of their wines that they produce here locally in the state of Utah. Yes, I know that's surprising, but we do have people that produce wine in the state of Utah.
1: And it is really not bad.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's no Sonoma Valley always, but some of them are very, very good. Like, uh, is it Castle Creek? Yes. It's down in Moab. Their wine is fantastic. So on this big, giant Zion curtain, they have, you know, of course, a, a repeat of one of their, line, their their bottle labels. But they also have, in giant words that are very visible, brought to you by your Utah legislature, UDABC, which is the Utah Department of Alcohol and Beverage Control, equals Utah doing as the bishop commands. <laughs>
3: <Okay>.
2: <laughs> and that really, if you don't live in Utah, you may not understand, but... You know, in, in the Mormon world, bishops are essentially your, your priests, your pastors, your ministers. They run the church, and when they tell legislatures, yeah, we really don't think this is a good idea, suddenly there are laws on the
1: books preventing whatever that was. I, I will say this. Utah's a pretty great state to live in, but if there's one thing I would change or fix, it's our really, really absurd liquor laws. It is, is hard to buy liquor, and it's not hard to get it illegally, by the way. If I just go across the b- the border to Wyoming, I can get anything I want at Walmart. At Walmart, <laughs> and so they're just losing my business. I'm not going to go without, for hell's sakes. I'm just going to go elsewhere.
0: Well, well, and if I mean, if, if we really want to push it, what are the good members doing at a winery anyway? Uh, bingo. So, th- supposedly,
2: those kind folks shouldn't be in there to begin with. Well, and I'll say this. In defense of Utah liquor laws, guys, we're not the worst state in the union. That is true. Our, Our laws, a lot of them, are modeled after the state of Missouri, actually. I was born in a dry city. You could not buy liquor inside of city limits unless
1: you went to a bar. Whoa, 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 whoa. Which is really stupid. I know. Is your entire defense really banked around, if I were to get shot in, like, four of my limbs... It's not as bad as getting shot in all five of my limbs, because that is a crappy-ass defense. <laughs> they still, our liquor laws still suck. They <coughs> do <laughs> still suck,
3: but it's not the it's And not they the suck on their problem. own merit.
2: And I will say this. Not being able to buy liquor on a Sunday pisses me off.
3: Come down to Saratoga Springs, Four Corners. Really? That's true. Yep, it's the only gas station. There's one other one in but, Utah that you can buy it at. It, really? Yeah.
1: You, you,
2: do they you, actually have, you do know everything. They actually have liquor there. <laughs> they actually have harmony Remember that? Is it, a, is it double as a state-run liquor store, or is it just beer?
3: I will double-check for you on my way home. home. I think it's just beer, but I will double-check.
2: Yeah, so beer you can get. I can go to Harmony and get 3.2 yeah. beer. On the Holy Sabbath.
3: Well, and the cool thing, and we'll
2: talk about this more probably <laughs> in other episodes, one of the cool things that has come as a result of Utah liquor laws the restricted the restrictions with regards to beer sales and malt beverage sales being 3.2 percent means a lot of bigger distributors and a lot of other you know distilleries around the country and, and breweries around the country won't create you know beer in that that format and send it to us. So instead, what we've had happen is a lot of local breweries pop up, which is a good thing. That's it's a really and We have good some of the best beers, craft beers, in the entire country.
3: Did you know we have a hard cider company, too? Yes, They're we amazing. do. Yes,
1: we do. What is the name of the hard cider?
3: Mountain West. People? Really? Yes.
1: What do they, What are, can you... It is hard cider.
3: <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> you know what? I will tell every
1: person in this oh, room. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> <Sorry>. That's fantastic. <laughs> All right.
2: So, we have another story. Um, this is another thing that the Utah oh, State...
3: can I just interject really quick? Absolutely. There is a new law starting July 1st that requires tastings to be purchased, and of course, food
2: has to be purchased with it as well, so. So yeah, in the state of Utah, currently, if you want to buy a beverage at a restaurant, uh, you have to purchase food. You can't order your wine and then order the rest of your meal. You have to order at least an appetizer before they can bring you your wine. That does have some issues with some of the distilleries, the wineries, and now they are not going to be able to do free wine tastings.
1: Which is unfortunate because like, how do you sell someone on wine and that's just, that's a cool part of the ambiance of going into one of these places is like trying things out and exploring the taste. It's
3: really not that bad because a lot of the distilleries that I've been to um, back east and out of the country, they charge for um, the tour and the yeah. tasting. So it's not, it's not necessarily... Um, a bad thing. People are
1: still going to do it, but... Well, I want free stuff.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and I want free booze
1: specifically. Well, it is
2: nice when you go on a Coors Brewery tour in Denver, Colorado, to
1: get free beer. Sure. Even, Even if it is Coors.
2: Well, yeah, and it's pretty much, you know, as much free beer as you want afterwards.
1: But, but it's to also to the really, really strong
2: stuff. Well, it's from the brewery. It's right there, so, and it's not uh, Utah beer, so... Okay. Uh, There is one other thing that uh, the Utah State Legislature did um, this year, uh, and our good friend Larry Flint has kind of sent them a little reminder. So one of our, our local senators here, Todd Weiler, decided to pass a piece of legislation. It was a resolution passed by both the House and the Senate and then signed by Governor Herbert. So for those of you that don't know, a resolution is basically the legislature saying yeah, we want to say this out loud, but we can't really do anything about it. This piece of legislation, this resolution, essentially said, Pornography is a public health crisis. That's right. Those are the words in the resolution. And our good friend Larry Flint decided to send every member of the Utah State Legislature and the governor's office a free copy
1: of Hustler Magazine. I'm yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. And, of course, all of the legislators are telling everyone, oh, I just threw it right in the garbage. I didn't even look at it five times, six times. Or, or six you know, times.
2: I heard some say, you know, something along the lines of, they all came and sealed, like, plain white envelopes. Like they have to. But, oh, man, what if my kid open this? Then you need to teach your kid a damn lesson about opening your shit. Yeah, why
0: are they opening it? It's not like no
2: offense. It's not addressed to them. What's your kid doing opening your mail? In my house, my teenagers don't even look
1: at mail unless we stick it in front of their face. So there's a very common theme with the legislation in Utah, and that is, we will think for you. We don't expect you to educate your kids. We don't expect you to think for yourselves. Stay tuned. We will update you on what you are to think and how you are to think it. And we're going to make it really hard for you to think otherwise, because we're going to hide things like, well, Booze it, behind this curtain. With, with,
0: without without getting into it too far, it's because the LDS Church basically runs the government in Utah.
2: But we don't educate the kids. We're one of the lowest per pupil spending
1: in the country. Stack Our kids are freaking cheap. dumb as shit here. Stack them deep and teach, teach them, cheap. them cheap. That's exactly right, Jeremy. <laughs> that's exactly right.
2: Well, St- I think that's it for news. <laughs> Unless you had something <coughs> else for Josh.
1: Me? No, I'm just excited to newsify and to to be newsed. Alright, now we have our interview for this fine
0: evening. this interview, we're going to be ordering interviewing. Josh.
2: We're going to be ordering
0: some Josh Josh with a side of fun. Wow. We'll be interviewing Josh. Hello. Josh is a local business owner, and he actually is involved with a number of businesses, but the one that we want to, to talk about tonight is his real estate. Real estate is big in Utah. I'm sure it's big everywhere. It has its ups and its downs, but Utah is an interesting niche, and I want Josh to talk first of
2: all a little bit about why he decided to get into real estate. Uh, Let's go with that, Josh. Let me me just interject, and I know this is weird. We're not just a housing development company here. I know we we interviewed an architect last week and a real estate agent this week. I promise you the next interview will have nothing to do with real
1: estate. Or housing, or, or housing, housing in any way, shape, or form. So um, yeah, I have got a company called Go Lightly Realty LLC. Or I mean LLC, of course. And uh, the whole idea behind this is a few years ago, my wife and I wanted to sell our house, and we found out the exorbitant rates that you had to pay to sell your house. And I immediately put the brakes on it. And quite honestly, the people that were pitching it were professional. Were very, very um, detailed, and I I mean, I thought they would do a good job, but it was so expensive, I said, I can do this myself, and so I started down the the path of, and then of course, I decided that I really wanted to go into business for myself, because I would love my boss, more or less, (laughs) Uh, and so those two reasons together, I started down the road of, of being a real estate agent. And in Utah, there's a—it's it, one of those things where a lot of people try and start being a real estate agent, and then there's a huge failure rate in um, in folks that just drop out and decide they can't do it. So um, it's it's a really low barrier of entry. Getting in is easy and cheap, and then the potential rewards are pretty fantastic. So that's kind of what got me to this point, Jeremy. Let's just start. So you got there because
2: it was easy and cheap. You wanted something fast and easy and cheap to get into. What? No. <laughs>
1: no.
3: Let's
1: go, Jeremy. Do you have some real questions? Because this is young <laughs>
3: here?
0: So tell us a little bit about about the experience. Um, first of all, how if if our one of our two listeners decides that this is something that they
1: want to be involved in. Really quickly, briefly, what are the steps? How do you become a real estate agent? So it's actually really, really super-duper easy. You find a course that will give you the training necessary to pass. Now, first of all, it's not just that you have to pass the test. You have to commit a certain number of hours of training. You have to go through this training, and then once you've met those requirements, then you can go and pass the the exam. Once you pass the exam, you then, Technically, get your license, but you are inactive until you sign on with the brokerage. Now, well, real quick, with these classes, that's something you do online. Is it? A, is it a class where you go sit down? I told. If you can possibly self motivate yourself, uh, to uh, self motivate yourself, I guess that's a little <laughs> redundant. But anyway, if you can motivate yourself to do it online, is the best because it's cheap and it's fast. You can go at your own pace, and that's what I did, and I got done so fast. It was really convenient.
2: Well talking about self-motivation, um, a, l- a lot of people don't think about this, but in owning your own business, you know, in running your own real estate agency, how much of that requires self-motivation? Because that's not your your everyday job. You have a
1: nine-to-five, right? I do. I have a nine-to-five job and I really like it. I actually work for a very prestigious um, organization here in Utah, and so I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Um, but to answer your question, It's a huge part of running this business. In fact, people don't understand this, but this is a critical element of being a real estate agent. Most of being a real estate agent is marketing, is getting new business. Actually doing the job is pretty darn easy. Um, It takes a lot of work and a lot of skills and a lot of abilities, and there's a reason you have a brokerage, because they're legally responsible for everything you do, and they they will kind of... Che- they should check your work to make sure that you're totally accurate. Um, but, again, like, it's something that you just, you control yourself. And if you aren't marketing, you're not going to get work. If you're not getting work, that's why people fall off and stop doing it. So. So now, really quick, explain,
0: will you please, how, how does the brokerage work? How, how, how are you tied into the brokerage, and how does the brokerage
1: work for you? So it's a pretty, uh, I don't know, it's kind of like a multi-level marketing plan, quite honestly. Which is Utah. Which is Utah. It is really, really Utah. I I think that real estate is the ultimate um, Utah profession. But basically how it works is once you get your license, you are inactive. You cannot go out and do real estate. You have to be um, an active real estate agent, and you do that by joining a brokerage. And you don't just join a brokerage, you have to basically... Um, be brought onto the brokerage and meet the, you know, the primary broker and they kind of got to agree to do it. And everyone is a little different on how they do that, but, um, I actually work with Media One Real Estate and it is the best brokerage in Utah. I will swear by it up and down. They're fantastic. For a new agent just learning the ropes, they're incredibly helpful. And they cover a lot of, now, here's another thing that most real estate agents or people who are looking into that don't know, you've got to buy your own business cards. You've got to buy your own flyers to advertise. That little sign you stick in the ground, in most cases, you've got to buy your own one of those. You've got to pay for pretty much everything you do, unless you find a brokerage that's willing to work with you on those things. Media One Real Estate bought me my my business cards. They pay for my signs, my signage, and to get it installed. They also will promote my, um, my listings in the newspaper. It is really fantastic. And the level of support I get with um, Media One Real Estate is second to none. I, I essentially went through three brokerages. Um, Keller Williams and I can't even remember the other one's name because it was such a short love affair. Um, but only, only Media One really did what it needed to be done. So now what's the trade-off? Now what, the, the, the brokerage does these things for you, but what's the trade-off? So they take a cut of your proceeds. And that is something that is a little bit negotiable, and depending on which brokerage you go with. Um, but, for instance, uh, Media One Real Estate takes about 30% of my commission. And for that 30%, they do all of those functions for me, and support me in every way, shape, and form. They give me an office space, and a place to meet, unlimited printer usage. Like, these are things that are really, really rare in the industry. Um so but that's what you get out of it for that 30%. So, if somebody is looking to buy or sell a house in Utah, how do they get a the hold of you, Josh? Well, you can go uh you can look us up on Facebook, go like go lightly realty. Um we're out there, you can see my mug. Uh, it's kind of a weird photo. <laughs> it looks like I'm plotting to take over the world. Um and but maybe you are. Uh maybe I well I am. Uh, are you? I mean, no <laughs> who's asking. But go, go out. Check it out. Um, I commit to you that I have a very specific take on being a real estate agent. I'm not a salesperson. I don't try to sell you anything. All I want to do is understand what you need, and then I go out of my way to find it. And we'll keep looking until we find the thing that you want. And if we don't find it, we'll keep looking until you're tired of looking. <laughs> um, but that's what gives me that's what gives me pride is knowing that at the end of the day I'm able to help people with that. And I've been I've never had a deal fall th- through. So I'm pretty proud of that. So as far as being self-employed and an entrepreneur,
0: what advice would you give to somebody regardless of what it is that they want to do? What what advice would you give
1: somebody about starting their own business, about being an entrepreneur? Know what really goes into that business. People think that a real estate agent is a sales job. And it's not. And if it is a sales job, you're doing it wrong. It is a listening job in which you are doing customer service of the of the purest form. Also, don't be afraid of hard work. Don't go into your own uh, into your own business hoping that you're going to get out of doing work in some way. That your schedule is going to be like roll out of bed at 10 a.m., cruise to the gym, flex in front of a mirror for two hours, go to lunch with some buddies, because <coughs> you're rich, so you know. And then from like 2 to 4, work. Then at 4 o'clock, call it a day because it's been pretty exhausting. Like, don't think that. Owning your own business is hard work. And it is marketing. And it is late hours. And you know what? Don't don't do it, especially real estate, if you cannot commit to just dropping everything at at the drop of a hat and meeting your client when they want to go look at a house. It's that simple. Perfect. Thank you, Josh. Chris, did you have anything else you wanted to add? No, I think you covered it all. I'm glad to hear about your business, Josh. Thank you. Um, I hope to help all of you find the home of your dreams. He uh, oh. you <laughs> helped
3: my cousin.
2: Well, That's folks, that wraps up another episode of the New Utah Podcast. What? Hopefully you enjoyed it. Join nice us next week. As Josh says,
0: get out of my house! Get the <laughs>